Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. Now, for this week's executive chair, we're going from Castle Bar, but we're staying in the same county because we're going over to Ireland West Airport and we're delighted to be joined by Joe Gilmore. He's the managing director of Ireland West Airport, formerly known as Knock Airport. Joe, good morning to you. Uh, good morning, Bobby. Delighted to be on. We're, lo- we're loving Castle Bar, but we want to talk about uh, your own operation, Joe. But before we do that, uh, we want to talk a little bit about you. Uh, you're a Claire Morris man, I understand. Uh, you grew up in an entrepreneurial type of background because your father ran a mobile cinema. Is that right? That's right, Bobby. I, I, I'll have to say I grew up in a village called Brickens beside Clamaris. Uh, I better get a mention in for that or my, uh, my local community won't be, won't be too happy. Yes, no, I, I grew up in the 70s and 80s in, in, um, close to Clamaris. Um, yes, um, my, my, my father was, uh, what would I say, of, of the entrepreneurial spirit. We had, a, we had a small farm, but to make a few pounds, himself and his brother started up a cinema business back in the 1950s. Now, the big towns around the West at the time all had mainstream cinemas, but he got the idea to um, purchase a a mobile cinema unit and travel to all of the smaller villages and and towns across the region with his brother. Um, And and, and that grew as a business forum through the 60s and 70s. And uh, as I got into my teenage years and and with my brother and sisters, we traveled with them. We helped them set it up. We we did the door, we cleaned the halls, we put up the screen and we loaded up the cinema unit after the shows. So we had quite a, quite a, what would I say, an an eventful and uh, interesting youth. I didn't realize it at the time, Bobby, but it was all about a, I try. I suppose trying to make a few few pound. One, yeah. one last point on that is, if, at at the time it was difficult to get people to actually go to movies back in the sixties and seventies. Believe it or not, especially from a rural area. And uh, my father got the idea to uh, start recording local historical events, religious events, political and sporting events. So they created an archive of almost 100 hours of local history and 16 millimeter film that's currently in the RTE archives and is used even up to today, um, archiving and chronological history across the West here. What a lovely story. So Joe, it was off to uh, DCU for yourself to study study physics, is that right? That's right. I know you saw MBA from uh, NUIG later, but tell us a little bit about your, your early aspirations to be a physicist. Well, Bobby, I I did my leave insert in, in the uh, late 70s in St. Coleman's College in, in, in Clamaris. And at the time, um, like like many leave insert students, I really didn't have an idea what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to do something in the scientific or business areas. So I had applied for electronic engineering in, in UCG at the time because uh, electronics and multinationals in Galway were, you know, booming with digital and paying big money, and, and all these companies. So I didn't get that play that that college place. So I was offered a a new course in what was the old Albert College, and then the NIHE when I went to it, it had just opened actually there on uh, up in Glasnevin NIHE, and uh, I was in the first stream of physics and one of the first graduates out of that stream. Um, it's funny looking back at it now, Bobby. You'd remember. Uh, I, I think 
unemployment was rampant in the country at the time in the mid eighties when when, yeah. when I finished um, the degree. <clears throat> And I, I, I was just thinking back in my class and the electronics group were with us. Phillips at the time were flying an aircraft into Dublin to, to bring over hundreds of graduates for, for interviews to Eindhoven even. So I, I wanted to stay in Ireland. So I ended up getting a job with a, a U.S. multinational in, in Shannon. Um, um, Shannon Panametrics. Called Panametrics, which were part of General Electric. So I had five to six years with them. And in the course of that, I did an MBA. I was an applications engineer. I traveled the world. Um, and, 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 and saw a lot. And uh, yeah, from there, I moved on into what was then the Irish Trade Board, our Board in the early 90s. I managed uh, one of their overseas offices in the Netherlands for about five years in the, in, in the 90s. And uh, subsequently, uh, I wanted to return to the West of Ireland, Bobby, and I moved back uh, to the West uh, to uh, a company in Castlebar called Volex, who were a large multinational at the time. Spent uh, quite a, over 10 years with them. And um, through a, a couple of other uh, jumps and hops, I ended here at, at, at the airport back uh, upon 15 years ago. You're now uh, the managing director of Ireland West Airport, formerly Knock Airport, formerly uh, Monsignor Horn International Airport. So it has an interesting history as an airport. Remind us about uh, the days of uh, the Monsignor uh, James Horn and his early fundraising initiatives. Yeah, Bobby, I, I think uh, those of the, your listeners that will remember the nineteen, the late 1970s and 80s in the country, there, there were pretty bleak times. Now Grim looking times, back on them. yeah. Um, and the Monsignor Horden was um, was an iconic character, to be honest with you. I only met the man once as, as, as a young child when the Pope came to knock. Um, but the, the, the idea of an international airport for the Monsignor was always in his mind, and in particular when Pope John Paul II visited Knox Shrine back in 1979, he had already built the shrine, and, he, and, and, and I think the week after, he gathered a, a like-minded group of local business people around him and said, I want to build an international airport. Um, yeah. so he, I, he was on. quite the visionary when you think about it. Like He, he saw the shrine at Knock you know, as the hook, and then the airport then to bring unbelievable commerce to the county that in an area that would have wouldn't have had a lot going on in it. No, Bobby, when I grew up, you know, when I grew up to get to London, it would take us almost two days. You know, yeah. it was an arduous trip by train across to Houston. You'd get the bus out to Dunleary, you'd get the ferry across to Hollyhead, you'd then have to get a slow train down to London, London Houston. I've done it, I know. And you'd be, and you'd be only, and particularly during the winter, if the, the sea cross and the ferries could have been cancelled, it, it was an arduous trip. You know, it could take up to two days. Now, now it takes you know less than two hours to get to Central London using our new Heathrow service and, and getting in on the um, the, the the Heathrow Express into Central London. People forget that, and people nowadays, I suppose, don't really appreciate that unless you had done it. But the Monsignor saw the benefit of improving connectivity. It used to take us five hours to get to Dublin from here by car. You know, before we the, the, the infrastructure, and, and at one point in time, the government talk, were, were talking about, I think, closing the rail line altogether to, to Westport because it wasn't viable. So he he was a visionary. He was iconic. It was remarkable. He achieved what he did. He and was, when you look at the amount of money uh, that was spent at the time, thirteen million reportedly, eight million came from government, another five million raised through local business, etc. It's small money when you look at it now. 
Well, there, I, I think anybody that would do a, an independent economic assessment of the value for money for airports like this, we, 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 we return the investment in, in multiples. You know, currently we do receive government funding through the regional airports program, of which we're very appreciative of. We do however, cover over 90% of our operating costs here on a year-to-year basis. But, but what, where we do require significant funding is on the capital investment side. Airports are large pieces of infrastructure. They're, they're quite expensive to run. They require significant capex. So on, on average, we're spending five to six million a year on capex alone for a business that's turning over less than 20 million. So when you do the math on that, it would be very, well, it would be impossible for us to uh, to, to operate without that. But for that, we believe the government get significant return in terms of contribution to the region from over a quarter of a million tourists that use the airport each year and the business connectivity and, and leisure we provide to over 20 international destinations. So the, the figure then of 800 plus uh, thousand passengers uh, last year, Joe, Shannon is at, I think, one and a half million. Would you have aspirations? And again, it's always good to see a bit of uh, county rivalry, but would you have aspirations at Ireland West to, to hit those sort of numbers? I, our aspirations here, Bobby, over the next three to five years are to try and uh, take the airport north of the million passengers. We, we kind of have to be realistic from the perspective of the level of I suppose, overall business that's available in the region. We have a catchment of just over a million people that would use the airport. Um, so we're, we're quite a, a, a relatively sparsely populated region when you take it from Galway up to Donegal and across to the Midlands. So we, we yeah. don't have any. But, so, but from that perspective, um, you know, Sh- Sh- Shannon's business and ourselves would be quite different in terms of they have a very uh, successful uh, US business. That, that, um, that, and they have a very strong business catchment down there. And we're, you know, we're shining ourselves. While we may say we compete to a degree, we're really trying to service what we term the Atlantic Economic Corridor from uh, Cork right up to Donegal. And we very, we'd be very much on the same page in terms of the real uh, advocates for regional development and to address yeah. the regional imbalance as we see continuing to. Um, you know, uh, to, to exist in terms of the east and the west of the country. Yeah. Um, who, who owns the airport, Joe? If it, is it, there's a, a trust, uh, the that's right. airport development company, but you're also, am I, not, am I right in saying, uh, owned partially by the local authorities? That's right. That's right. Back in the early days, Bobby, the airport was set up as a private limited company with 36 local shareholders. Um, because look at the time, there were, there, were, there were different views from different governments of the day in terms of the potential for the airport to develop and the need for a, another fourth airport um, in addition to Cork, Shannon and um, Dublin. Um, so the airport was set up as a private company. Um, when it was up and running by 1985, the late Seamus Brennan, who was Minister for Transport at the time, um, and the Monsignor had a discussion. <laughs> the story went, and, and the view was government could not continue to fund a private airport. So there was agreement amongst the shareholders at the time to sign over all their shareholding to what was called uh, the Horn International Trust. So there was a trust set up and a number of trustees appointed with government. And they are the county manager from Mayo, the, um, the parish priest of the shrine, the archbishop of the diocese of Tume, um, the chairman of the operating board, and a number of other um, well-known business people from the region. And that yeah. existed up until 2014, uh, when we then 
had discussions with government and the local authorities. We needed funding. We needed to find a capital injection into the airport. So they took a shareholding, seven local authorities from Galway up to Donegal, took a shareholding of close to 20% for, for about 8 million to give us an injection of, of capital. I think I've mentioned that the challenge for regional airports is really the capital side of the balance sheet and the cash side of the balance sheet in terms of trying to ensure yeah. we, can, we can fund the infrastructure. So uh, 21 international destinations now serving nine UK airports. You must be very pleased with that, Joe, that it's, you know, it really is providing a service that people want and use regularly. Yeah, when you look at our route network, Bobby, you'll see we have an extensive uh, range of UK services. The core business of this airport is particularly UK because we have a very extensive diaspora here in the west and the northwest and links with all the major UK centres that we fly to. We've, you know, we, we fly to Heathrow, Stansted, Luton, and then we, when you move further uh, north, we're in Birmingham, East Midlands, Manchester, Liverpool, we're up in Edinburgh with services to Bristol. It's where you've got a large Irish diaspora, large Irish connections and large Irish business connections. All right. We're very pleased with that. There's about 700,000 passengers travel the routes annually on those routes alone. All right. Well, we're very happy to be in Mayo this weekend and... Uh, Really nice to talk to you, Joe. Uh, just very finally, did you play football for Mayo? I did, Bobby. In my day, I, I played all. I played all levels. I was very fortunate to, to uh, you know, experience uh, all the all all the the ups and downs of football in Mayo. I'd still be an avid Mayo supporter. Uh, yeah. I, think I mentioned I've, I've, I would uh, be very involved, to be honest with you, in the GA. It's been, it's kind of been the life and blood, and uh, it's more than just football, you know. It's uh, there it's we go, Mayo for a. Sam. So yeah, yeah. All right, Joe. Lovely to talk to you today. Good luck with everything that's happening. Okay, thank you. Down to business with Bobby Kerr, brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at eleven on News Talk.